Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Welcome back, Bayside. They're taking school spirit. The fun just getting started. To the max. This is going to be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. It's still real to me, damn it! everybody welcome to this week's edition of still real to show episode number 607 for september 30th 2021 this is your wwe extreme rules recap and review edition of s-r-t-u i'm one half of the show i am jeff peck joined every single week by my host the one only dr trey franklin dr trey you're in a lot of pain my friend yeah my middle finger won't go down as eminem once said so Dr. Trey and I were getting on the call here and he was like, I'm like, how you doing? Uh, I'm in a lot of pain. Like, okay, well, that's a normal thing to say. And then he went into it and I was like, you know what? And if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you've heard me say this plenty of times. I was like, should we bring this up on the podcast? And he's like, yeah, if you want. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So Dr. Trey, give everybody synopsis as to what the hell is going on with you right now. All right, so as, as we've talked in the show, I had wrist surgery about eight weeks ago. And in that process, they also had to insert uh, a steel pin into my middle finger to try to get it to sit correctly because of the tip of my finger, I, I ripped a tendon. And so the, fi- the tip of my finger basically would not move up or down. It was just kind of locked in place. So yesterday was the day that they were going to remove the steel pin out of my finger. Um, and so they went in there and big long needle injection to numb the hand up um then they take and kind of sliced open the very end of my finger to where they could pry it open uh and then they took a set of forceps now mind you jeff i can't watch any of this because i would throw up on the guy's table if, if i'm actually watching so my head's turned slightly to the right but i can feel every time they start pulling on this pen and it took six yanks like six strong poles. And my doctor's a big dude. Uh, it took six poles to get this pin completely back out of my finger. Uh, and then for them to kind of put my tip my finger back together a little bit. Uh, they did tell me I had great bone density. So the first eight hours after it, it was fine. No pain. Swelling started getting, you know, fingers started swelling up. Uh, then about uh, nine o'clock last night, pain started setting in. And, uh, 
Yeah, it really hurts, but it's more the the fingers sore, but then because of the swelling, the skin started to crack around it, so it kind of feels like if you like scalded your finger with hot water. Like I've had that sensation for the last roughly 24 hours on top of the, you know, tremendous soreness from them pulling the pin out. And I tried to get them to let me keep the pin, but in Alabama that's considered medical waste and they have to dispose of it because I wanted to put it in a little jar and keep it on my shelf. So you, you watched them pull a pin out of your hand. I, I, I felt it because I literally like, I'm one of those guys, like I can watch a bloody gory horror movie. doesn't bother me a bit. I watch a medical drama and you see the incision and see the skin open up and I go, Oh, that's gross. And I'll kind of, turn away so i'm i'm opposite of you so i can't watch horror i can't watch medical dramas but i could look at someone's like x-ray with like torn ligaments and stuff like that like that doesn't bother me yeah the x-rays and stuff like that doesn't bother me because i've seen that stuff and then they show me the x-rays on my finger and and while they're showing me mine i was seeing other people's pop up on screen as they were kind of scrolling through the mind so i can watch like because i i think in my head i justify it as if i'm watching a freddie or jason movie that's fiction it's completely fake but you watch a medical drama and you're like this is kind of based on what would happen so like um i am surprised that said when you say you can't so like if you're in the if you're out on on the fire truck and you have to, <laughs> somebody has to perform like an emergency tracheotomy you can't watch that i can that's that's what so that's what i'm saying like in the moment type stuff i can do oh, okay. so like uh i think an x-ray was probably like the wrong thing to say like um like recently I had a family member who had ACL surgery and I was like looking at it and they couldn't look at their own ACL surgery and that didn't bother me at all. Like I've been on a lot of emergency scenes and I see a lot of, you know, unfortunate stuff. It doesn't really bother me. It's like if I'm sitting down and I'm watching and I'm only bringing this up because I see the promo every 10 seconds on raw, but Chucky, I'm like, I'm out. I can't, no, I'm not going to watch this shit. So uh, another sidebar, uh, you know, Halloween's not that far away. Sammy is dressing up as Chucky this year. Oh, that is a genius move. Because <laughs> I, I literally told my wife, I'm like, I've always wanted to have one of my kids dress up as Chucky, and none of them ever did it because the wife or whatever was like, no, or they were too old. I'm like, this is probably the last year I get to pick a costume for my kid, and they can't veto it. <laughs> I'm like, so yeah, he's going as Chucky. I said, I'm, I, I may go as uh, that the crazy clown from House of a Thousand Corpses because this bald-headed bearded guy. Uh, then my wife... Uh, we might do a horror family theme for us, but I'm like, we literally just got the shirt. Like we actually, my wife was going to order an actual full Chucky costume. And I was like, no, we can't do that. She goes, why? I said, because he can't, he can only wear it at Halloween. He can't wear it anywhere else. I said, we actually order a rainbow shirt and a pair of overalls and a pair of shoes that don't have that good guy logo on it. He can literally wear it anywhere and we can mix and match. I said, but if you get actually where it's tagged as Chucky, then it's only good on Halloween. So I'm like, we can bust this thing out a few times a year and nobody will really can say anything because it's not, you know, necessarily the good guy doll costume. Have you ever done a wrestling costume for Halloween? Uh, so <laughs> it's funny because, uh, so Sin Bodhi, uh, former Kazarni from WWE, uh, we, we, you know, we're friends now and I follow him on Facebook. And so he started doing like the replicas of the old LJN uh, solid plastic, or solid rubber figures from the 80s. Um, and I, I only mention this because it reminded me, like, I, I remember that when I was seven years old, Jeff, I dressed up as Corporal Kirshner for Halloween. Of all the WWE people in my life, 
that was the one time I actually dressed up as a wrestler for Halloween was Corporal Kirshner of all people. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say of all people. And I know I feel like I, we've been doing this podcast for 11 years now. So we've probably talked about this before. And I remembered as you said it, like, oh, I've heard this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's um, I've never dressed up as a wrestler for Halloween, but I know many people have. And I think as a wrestling fan, that's kind of strange, right, that I've never done the wrestling deal. Although this year, Jeff, based on what happened on Dynamite, I might go as Gangster Arn Anderson. We may bring that up today. I like it. Usually I'm the Segway guy. Dr. Trey segwaying. So uh, extreme things. Dr. Trey can't take extreme pain. But uh, we had extreme rules this past Sunday. Kind of a lame segue, but we'll get into it here. Recap and review, Dr. Trey. Let's get right into it. Liv Morgan versus Carmella, the first match. Uh, Liv Morgan got the victory. You and I both had Liv Morgan getting the victory as well. Um, I feel like Liv is good and has really improved over the last several years. And I also feel like Liv deserves a push, and hopefully WWE gives her one soon. Uh, your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean, I thought the match was fine. Um, you know, if, if you had told me this was, a, this was a match three years ago, I would have been dreading it because both women were probably atrocious in the ring three years ago. But they've come a long way. I don't mind watching Carmella wrestle. I, I like this character way more than the R-Truth version of her in the previous version before that. <clears throat> Liv is she's just a little dynamo like she's she has the look she's gotten so much better in the ring and you know I wouldn't mind seeing her getting pushed into a few with Becky Lynch because I think he can really play on the you know overconfident champ you know babyface underdog and I think the crowd would buy just I think the crowd really really wants to pull for Liv but she's been booked so poorly over her time in WWE it's kind of hard to get that diehard following but i think in the right situation with a champ like becky who's you know doing this conor mcgregor overconfident champion thing i think a few between becky and Liv would make a lot of sense uh i would agree there i think Liv is a bright star in wwe i like what i've seen i said this back i think it was like wrestlemania 36 the pandemic one where she had a match with natalia that was awesome and it was like this yeah. throwaway pre-show match and you just saw it there that she's really improved especially from her days from nxt uh, next match here was a six-man tag team match. You had the New Day taking on Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Omos. We did not predict this match as it was set up on the pre-show uh, when uh, Omos and AJ Styles attacked Kofi and Xavier Woods, and then Bobby Lashley attacked Big E. Uh, the New Day got the victory. This was a really good six-man tag team match that told a lot of good stories and momentum throughout. I thought it was a fantastic job by all six men. I'm happy to see the New Day reunited because I forgot how good their six-man matches were. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here as the New Day defeated Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, and Omos. Yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. I thought it made a lot of sense. I, I kept wondering as we as as we predicted the show last week, I was surprised that we didn't have Big E on the show. And then they found, found a way to get him involved in the show, which made a lot of sense. Um, I like how they still hide hide Omos until he necessary. Um, like for a lot of that match, it kind of felt like a handicap match. Like it was more three on two, and then Omos got in for a couple you know big moments. But once again, it's one of those matches where I think everybody still came out looking okay because, you know, if AJ takes a loss, it's still AJ Styles. So, I mean, at the end of the day, everybody's still in good shape. Yeah, uh, couldn't agree more there. Uh, next match is the Usos defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championship against the Street Profits. We both had the Usos, and the Usos won and retained. Good tag team match and what you come to expect from both teams. The Montez Four's rib injury was a good storytelling throughout this match. Dr. Trey, your thoughts? The Usos defeat the Street Profits. Yeah, once again, solid match, uh, very entertaining, you know, kind of made you kind of wonder at some points if, if the Profits were going to get the belts, but 
you know, drafts coming up, shuffling the deck. They usually don't do a lot of title changes around this time because it makes it weird when you start switching belts around and guys start jumping from brand to brand. So it made a lot of sense because uh, the Bloodline's kind of running SmackDown and you got the New Day kind of running Raw right now. So it made a lot of sense to kind of keep the belts on the Usos right now. I felt like this was one of those matches where, like, we got to get this in before the draft because somebody's mm-hmm. leaving. So that's what it felt like yeah. to me. Next match here, Charlotte Flair defending the Raw Women's Championship against Alexa Bliss. I had Alexa Bliss, Dr. Trey, Charlotte Flair, and Charlotte Flair won and retained the Raw Women's Championship. Solid match. It's been a while since we had a good Alexa Bliss match because of the way she had been booked since becoming this character. Uh, Alexa breaks down post-match after Charlotte destroys Lily, and the reports are she'll be off TV for the next several months as she has some sort of a surgery going on. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here? Solid match between Charlotte and Alexa Bliss. Yeah, Charlotte match, or excuse me, solid match. Um, it is weird watching a Charlotte match because every now and then I feel like Charlotte tries to bully people um, and it comes out kind of looking clunky at times and then you get other matches where it's like really smooth and solid and there's nothing. It's kind of latter. Like Alexa knows that she's working Charlotte. Charlotte takes the lead and you just kind of follow along. Um, the, the ending, the stuff with Lily, I don't know if I'm happy about it because I enjoy the Alexa character and if they're going to change it and tweak it, you know, I just hope it's I don't. I, I just don't want to go back to the old Alexa. I kind of like new, crazy, weird Alexa. So I hope they stick with it. But uh, heck, the girl's having surgery, and then she's getting married to Ryan Cabrera of all people. So uh, she needs some time off. So um, give her some time off. Let her come back refreshed, and um, maybe they just rip off whatever Bray White's doing in AEW and give it to Alexa. Next match here is a triple threat match for the WWE United States Championship: Damian Priest defending against Jeff Hardy and Sheamus. Dr. Trey and I both had Damian Priest, and Damian Priest did win and retained the U.S. title. Uh, I joined the finish. I enjoyed the finishing sequence in this one and loved how it looked like Jeff Hardy was going to win. Fun triple threat match. The Damian Priest momentum continues. Sheamus continues to show he's a solid worker. And Jeff Hardy shows he deserves to be in bigger matches than the 24-7 championship segments. Dr. Trey, your thoughts as Damian Priest retained? Yeah, I mean, this is like two in a row really solid triple threat matches with Damian Priest, which is... Uh, surprising in a, in a sense because he is new to the roster, but you know, you up back to the raw from a few weeks ago with his hand, Seamus and drew, and then you get this one here with Seamus and Jeff Hardy, like solid match. And I mean, they keep having him beat former world champions. So to me, this is them kind of, kind of putting in that position that big E was in maybe a year and a half, two years ago. where like, we have total faith in this guy that he's going to be at the top of the card at some point. Let's get him some credibility under his belt with some wins over some former champions. And then that way, when he makes that move up to the main event level, people are going to buy in because his resume is pretty good so uh good job all around and, and everybody hit, you know everybody did what they're supposed to do so once again nobody came out looking bad and, and you're building up damian priest uh next match here is becky lynch defending the smackdown women's championship against bianca belair we both had becky lynch and this match ended in a no contest uh becky lynch looked like she hadn't missed a step in her first full wrestling match in almost 18 months real good match sasha banks interferes taking on both becky and bianca to cause a no contest it appears maybe we get a match on tomorrow's SmackDown WWE draft version. Dr. Trey, your thoughts? Becky versus Bianca. Yeah, it was fine. Um, you know, most people, like, I'm not a fan of no contest because I think, they, you know, I feel like I always, like, draw, a draw is one thing. A no contest leaves a sour taste in my mouth. But, you know, if you're getting Bianca, Becky, and Sasha in a match, I mean, we haven't seen that before, so that's pretty interesting. So, the match itself I thought was fine. The finish was kind of, uh, but like I said, if, if we're getting that match on SmackDown Friday night, then that's a decent payoff and just makes me wait a little bit longer for it. And then finally, the main event here, Roman Reigns defending his WWE Universal Championship against the Demon Finn Balor in an Extreme Rules match. We both had Roman Reigns winning, and Roman Reigns did win. 
this probably isn't a popular opinion because of the finish, but I thought this was a really good match up until the top rope broke. I didn't like the finish, but I didn't hate it like everyone else was saying. It was the closest to it feeling like someone could defeat Roman Reigns since his return in August 2020. Dr. Trey, your thoughts here as Roman Reigns defeated the demon Finn Balor in a very controversial finish. Yeah, I thought the match was, was really good. Like, all the way up until he got the red light. When the red light came on the screen, I was like, oh, hell, what are we doing? Um, but, like, overall, like, like you said, it was it was really good, really compelling, great hard hit. You, it's, it's weird when you get a guy Finn's size because it's like, it's crazy to say this. His matches are very physical and hard hitting. And a lot of smaller guys don't have those types of matches. But Finn, like, between throwing those chops, taking punches, everything else, like, it was really, really compelling, really physical. Uh, I'm I'm holding judgment on the finish to see what the next evolution of this is coming out of it. Because um, on paper, when I watched it, I thought it was I, I I didn't like it, and a lot of it was because you could see when Finn went to the top rope, he couldn't get his balance, and so then I was like, what the hell's going on with that? And then you get the rope break, and you're like, ooh, okay, that's yeah, people are gonna hate that. But I also didn't really like his face down convulsing like a fish out of water. I thought that was kind of weird looking. Um, but like I said, I'm waiting to see where the next stage of this goes to see if I can accept it as an incredible finish. Otherwise, this might rank up there with some of the worst finishes we've seen. So if they play if they, if, if they play off of it, great. And if they just kind of let it go and let it die, we're going to hate it. Um, I still think Kevin Owens' match with Roman at um, when they did Royal, the last man standing. Royal Rumble? At Royal Rumble, I think that might have been the one where I kind of felt closest to Roman losing. Um, and a lot of it is because the supernatural finish to this match. Yeah, the thing with WWE is that they always get cartoony. And they sometimes mm-hmm. go too cartoony. And I'm with you. Like the red light, the heartbeat, and you know him flopping was kind of weird. I did like when he timed the, uh, the noise of like the whoop as he came up. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. But yeah, the the top rope breaking, uh, I didn't hate it. I watched it after uh, it was live, so I watched it on demand, and a lot of I saw a lot of the people freaking out about it. Obviously, it was hard to miss. Uh, I didn't hate it as much as I think everybody who watched it live would have, but I was also kind of prepared. So it makes me wonder, like, how it would have gone if it was another one. Now I've seen worse finishes in, in, in most recent memory, Dr. Trey. And I know this was topic of conversation recently because Seth Rollins was on um, the stone cold podcast on the network. The Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins, Helen a cell was really bad. Uh, Bray Wyatt Goldberg at crown jewel was really bad. Uh, I don't know if it's up in those echelons because I liked the match. I, I, I liked the match up until those final five minutes. Yeah. I mean, no, that's how I, I totally, the other matches I hate it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, and a lot, of, once again, like I said, when that red light came on, I was like, oh, hell, like, where are we going? It kind of, that kind of told me we were going down one of two routes. Is there going to be like super, super demon overcomes everything, or there's going to be some weird finish? And like, like I said, like the road break doesn't bother me as long as there's a payoff. And you mentioned the Seth Rollins break white hell in the cell match there really wasn't an explanation or a payoff to that. There really wasn't anything with Goldberg and Fiend, you know, Crown Jewel. So that's why for me, it's like at least if they spin something off of this, I can accept it. But if it just dies and we just go on to Roman's next feud, then I'm probably going to hate it. Cause we've got Roman and Brock coming up 
at you know Super Showdown uh, here in a few weeks, so I don't know if they're gonna have enough time to play off of this or explain to us what happened to continue the story on. Yeah, I would hope they follow up with it on tomorrow night's yeah. edition of SmackDown, right? Yeah. I mean, could you imagine if they don't? We're like. There's no reason. I mean, is it like uh, like when Steve Austin was going for the briefcase in the match with Vince and Shane at King of the Ring? Like was that 2000? Yeah. And we never knew yeah. who pulled up the briefcase for like control yeah. of WWE. Yeah, yeah. And, and and still to this day, 21 years later, we still don't. Know. Not a clue. Uh, Not a clue at all. At, at, yeah, at least at points in our in our life, they've gone back and revisited old storylines to kind of tie up the bow. But that's definitely one they they left off. So. But, you know, in all honesty, Jeff, for a moment when the red light came on, I kind of thought Bray Wyatt might show up. Oh, bless your heart. I know. I know. Oh, I poor hope, guy. Hope, hope against hope. Is what it yeah, is. to bring him back to for Crown Jewel so he can job out to Goldberg instead of Bobby Lashley. No, I, I, I kind of thought that if the red light came on, maybe it was Bray costing Sid the match and we got Demon versus Bray. Ooh. And I'd be okay with that. Okay. So, okay. I'm here yeah, for that. With it, you know, but that, but then it's like we got we got Finn flopping on the ground like a fish, and I was like, "Yeah, Bray Wyatt's not showing up. Never mind. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of like kill this hope spot off real quick." The demon gets seizures. There you go, folks. <laughs> uh, I went four and two. Doctor Trey went five and one on the prediction records. Doctor Trey is on the top of the leaderboard now at eighty six and thirty four. I am one game back, eighty five and thirty five. Uh, my match of the night event rating. I gave my match of the night to New Day, Lashley, Styles, and Omos. And I gave Extreme Rules a very solid score of a 3.9. I thought it was a very good show. I think up until the finish, you can make a case that this was potentially a show that sits in the fours on the pay-per-view scale because I didn't think there was anything really missing on the pot, on the entire show. Yeah, I, I mean, I went with the same thing. I went with New Day, uh, Lashley, AJ, and almost. And it's really hard to pick against any AJ match in general just because he's phenomenal. Um, I came in at a 3.7. Because although everything was solid, I didn't think there was anything groundbreaking. You know, like nothing is something like I'm not going to think back to Extreme Rules 2021 and 10 years and go, oh, my God, you remember that night that this happened? I mean, outside of the bad finish, that might be the one thing I remember. And I don't know if that's a good thing yet or a bad thing based on what the payoff is. So uh, 3.7, I thought that was that was pretty it was pretty solid as well all the way through. All right, let's get you WWE Draft Preview. That kicks off tomorrow night on Friday night. SmackDown carries over on Monday's edition of Raw. So next week, we'll recap and review all the big moves from the WWE Draft. Dr. Trey, I've got four questions for you. Who should switch brands, in your opinion, on Raw and SmackDown? Um, Drew McIntyre, because I think Drew and Roman is is compelling. Um, Probably the Street Profits heading to, to Raw. Maybe the Viking Raiders heading to SmackDown. Um, I'd, pro- I'd move Bianca over to, to Raw to feud with Charlotte. Because um, then you got still got Sasha, Sasha and Becky on SmackDown. And you still got to figure out where Bailey fit back in when she comes back from her injury. Um, i trying to think of who else on top of my head. I, I, I don't know if Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn need to move. But they probably will because they seem to do it every single year. Um and maybe AJ and almost head back to to SmackDown, or at least AJ does. It almost stays on Raw. I think I think they may split up AJ Styles and almost. Yeah, I, I'm kind of feeling that way too. But you can't put almost in general Aziz on the same show. True, true. So I, if you, yeah. do that, then you got to move AJ back to SmackDown. 
It's funny you bring up AJ there because I was thinking about him during that that six man match, and he's really been a good soldier for WWE, like taking a backseat. He literally the last year, all he's been doing is helping build Omos and, and working in a tag team division, and when he could be working into you know championship feuds, mid card feuds, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't. I I think for Omos's. Uh, growth. I think you should stay with AJ Styles one more year, but I would start pushing AJ Styles as, as a singles guy and have an almost work as that bodyguard and have like a HBK diesel moment next year. Uh, I'm with you on Drew McIntyre being moved. I think he is like everybody's number one choice right now who needs a change of scenery. Uh, I would say the Street Profits go into Raw and Bianca Belair as well. I get this vibe that Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch thing is 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 going to end soon and bianca's going to go to raw maybe feud with with charlotte for a little bit because charlotte's now in need of uh of a person to go toe-to-toe with maybe you move Shayna baszler from raw to smackdown yeah because i'm digging her her old character her new old character um sammy and kevin is always good i'm trying to think of anybody who could use like a breakout seth could probably use a move back to Raw because a Seth Big E world title feud wouldn't be bad, but you can't move. They don't move husbands and wives anymore. So it no. would just have the baby. You can't move Seth. No, that would be bad. So, unfortunately for Seth, I think he's kind of stuck there, and as long as Roman's on top, I don't think Seth's getting that top spot from him anytime soon. See, and I know you got to think about Big E's got to stay on Raw, obviously. Reigns, I don't think, is going to move at all. Um, and, and who's going to feud with Big E moving forward? I think AJ Styles is a, is a big name that can do that. After yeah. I would keep Lashley on Raw. I think he's been great. I like that they reunited the Hurt Business. Have Hurt Business New Day feud for a little bit. I mean, and then once again, you could always, like, as much as you and I still believe that Kevin Owens could be a top babyface star, moving him to Raw to move to a feud with Big E wouldn't be bad either. Because they would always go back to the whole thing when he was, you know, substituting for Big E in the new day as well. What about Happy that, Corbin? I don't know where he slots in at because to me that's one of the things where you could flip Happy Corbin and Sheamus. You know, and the, those are those mid card guys are the ones that usually switch back and that's the one thing I hate about the draft sometimes is they almost move their entire mid card division. And it's like, well, yeah, but they're still kind of the same feuds. You're just red or blue now. Uh, you know, because um, to me, if you look at Big E, you could once, once Riddle and Orton have their breakup, then you have Orton and Big E. Um, but, yeah, to me, like, Corbin and Sheamus could switch. And I don't think anybody would skip a beat about that one. You still got whatever they're going to come up with Elias when he comes back, what his new character is going to be. Um, by the way, Jackson, maybe Karrion Cross goes to SmackDown? Hmm. I, I got one more. That's, a, that's an interesting one. I got one that I was thinking about during the Extreme Rules show. I would move. To me, sorry to interrupt, but I just, yeah. to me, you've got to separate Karrion Cross and, and, Big, and uh, Keith Lee. So, what, to me, one of those two has to go to the other brand as well because they're kind of in similar, especially the way Keith Lee's being booked right now. It's kind of like they're similar, you know, monster heels ish like lee's kind of in the yeah. middle ground right now that's a good point them, i can see them pushing keith lee into the hurt business and letting him be the muscle behind lashley with mvp being out and then you still got shelman cedric so maybe carrying cross and they give him the big entrance again and starlet when they go to smackdown that's a good point and, and i would just add one more i think 
you switch Damian Priest and Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. I think Damian Priest goes to SmackDown with the U.S. title. You'd put the IC title on Raw with Shinsuke. And that usually happens about once every couple of years. They, they flip those titles and just switch the champions around as well. Um, and I, I would think that probably, well, I don't think you can move Ray and Dominic, but then you might end up, you, you're going to have to move somebody else from the tag team division on SmackDown because there's more depth over there over to Raw. So if you have the street props go, maybe you send Ziggler and Root over there as well. Yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. So uh, teams that should stay together, I, I'm making a case for AJ Styles, almost the Street Profits. I don't want to see anybody like um, that I enjoy, <laughs> you know, no breaking up. Like I don't want to see the Viking Raiders break up. I don't want to see like a Dudley Boys type move. But I think if there was one team that could break, I think if there's, I think there's two teams that could break up. I would not be shocked if Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins broke up because of the draft. I would not be shocked if um, AJ Styles and Omos broke up from the draft. Yeah. I mean, the Montez Ford, like if, if Bianca goes, Montez goes to Raw automatically. Now, whether or not they bring Angelo up. But I don't want it to be similar to Otis and Tucker where they break him up and then all of a sudden Angelo gets fired like a month later. Like I still think Dawkins has a lot of potential. Um, but you also see how much merchandise they're selling as a duo. It's hard to break them up. Um, to me, Montez Ford is the closest thing I've seen to a young Eddie Guerrero in the last 10. Sammy Guevara and Montez Ford are the closest things to Eddie Guerrero I've seen in the last 10, 15 years. Montez Ford is good, guys. He's good. That Watch that main event match against him and Roman Reigns from SmackDown last week. He's he's good. Yeah, um, he's going to be a big star here in the next you know four to five years. Yeah, he can cut a promo. He's very marketable. Great in-ring worker. Uh, which wrestler needs a change of scenery the most, in your opinion, Dr. Trey? Is it Drew McIntyre? Yeah, I think it's Drew. Agreed. I mean, uh, and, like once again, you go back to, to Raw. I don't get I don't get that last closing segment. I, I don't get him walking out the sword. I mean, I, I understand it storyline wise because now he can challenge for the title again because last year he's not the champ. But Biggie's your top baby face. Drew's one of your top baby faces. What's what's the point in that? Um, unless you're just trying to get the payoff match next Monday night on the draft, and then that's when Drew gets announced that he's going to SmackDown. Um, and that's one more big victory for Big E after beating Lashley. They can beat McIntyre, um, but outside of that, I don't get. It. But to me, it, it's it's probably it's it's Drew. Like he's he's in a spot right now where he's kind of in a rut. And if you have a babyface on top, how many how many Jinder Mahal feuds can you give Drew McIntyre to keep him relevant until you're ready to bring him back up to the top of the card? And then, of course, uh, who needs a bigger draft, more Raw or SmackDown? I always feel like nowadays how things have flipped. I think Raw always needs a bigger draft lately. Yeah, and that's if, but that's if you're looking at it on equal footing. And these shows are not supposed to be kept equal. Like SmackDown is supposed to be the flagship now because of the Fox deal and Raw is a secondary show. But, you know, with USA getting kind of antsy and the Peacock Network and everything else, maybe they are on equal footing and you have to even these brands out a little bit more. So, um on paper, then I would agree with you that it probably would be raw if you're looking at it that between USA and the Peacock Network, they're on equal footing as what SmackDown is. All right, let's switch gears from WWE to AEW. Once again, we'll recap and review the WWE draft on next week's show. 
Uh, according to reports, AW's EVPs have reportedly lost their creative power in AW. This comes to us from Wrestling Inc. A new report from Cassidy Haynes at Body Slam notes that the group essentially had, taken, had creative taken away by AEW CEO, general manager, and head of creative Tony Khan. That group of EVPs is, of course, the Young Bucks, Nick and Matt Jackson, Kenny Omega, and Cody Rhodes. It was noted that creative was essentially completely taken away, end quote, from the EVPs as everything now comes through Khan. AW talents are reportedly allowed and encouraged to pitch ideas or give suggestions, but, quote, creative is absolutely Khan's prerogative now. It was said that at one point, Cody was the only EVP to regularly attend, quote, office meetings and was an, quote, office regular. But that role as well as, as his input with creative is greatly diminished. The report further noted that Matt Jackson's role as EVP was to help his wife Dana with merchandise, while Nick Jackson is focused on handling being the elite. Omega is very hands-on with the AEW Games division and, quote, the gaming side of things, while still helping to put together matches for the women's division. Omega, the Bucks, and, the, and Rhodes were described as EVPs in name only in 2021. A source added that they no longer have the final say in the creative process or in hiring talent as Khan, quote, pulled back on the reins and took that power away from all. Regarding Rhodes, a source stressed that he really doesn't have much of a relationship with the Bucks or Omega these days. Omega and the Bucks remain good friends, but it was said that Cody's very much on the outside looking in. Uh, Dr. Trey, we've been talking about the Rhodes, Bucks, Omega stuff before in that last paragraph, but some big stuff there about the creative process no longer going through the EVPs or them having input like they did in the past, Kenny Omega, Nick Jackson, Matt Jackson, and Cody Rhodes. Uh, From the outside looking in, it looks like AEW is a misstep because creatively they're one of the best, if not the best wrestling promotion in my eyes right now. And if that's all Tony Khan and whoever else is involved in the creative process, more power to them. But this is a, a pretty surprising report from the outside looking at wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, because you, you figure on paper these guys, along with Tony Khan, put this whole thing together. Um, and that's why, you know, Nick and Matt have a hand in other areas. That's why Kane's in the gaming division. Um, you know, Cody is really good with getting marketing deals for AEW. Um, but creatively, it makes a lot of sense because at the, at the end of the day, you don't want anybody coming back saying, well, Kenny's on top because he's an EVP. The Bucks are the tag champs because they're EVPs, you know, because that's indie booking. That's what I deal with every single weekend in a lot of the shows is where the guy who runs the company is also a wrestler and he's also a champion. Um, so on, on a sense, it also you think back to one of the things people always say when they're comparing WWE to other companies they wrestled for is at least you always knew who the final say was. There was no confusion as to who's on who handles everything. Everything filters through Vince, and I think this is one of the things where they, they after you know a couple years they need that final voice and, and Tony Khan's you know that going to be that guy. And hey, it, it's working so far. It's just going to be. He, he will need a support system around him a little bit like Vince does. Maybe not, you know, all the old guys like Bruce Pritchard, but, you know, I mean, when you've got some of these producers around them, like a Dean Malenko, like an Arn Anderson, um, you know, Jerry Lynn's there. Like, you've got a lot of voices around you that can help you with it. I think it's kind of a good move for Tony to go, hey, at the end of the day, it's my company, my money. Um, you guys all kind of work here for me. I'm taking control of this ship. You know, before it goes, you know, before the inmates really take over the asylum. Now, are you? I guess I'm not surprised that this happened because we figured at some point it was a possibility that the, this this could happen. But AEW is so successful right now, and we have not heard many bad backstage reports. This is one that at least gets the spider senses going. That makes me wonder 
if these guys will still be in the long haul of it. Like, I could see Omega and the Bucks, but I would not be shocked if maybe Cody leaves at some point. Um, so here's what I want to say about this. This is something that I don't, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. We really don't know their financial. We really don't know if AEW is actually making money because they're not a publicly traded company, so they don't have to put anything out there, uh, you know, for stockholders or anything else like that. So, although ratings wise, they're up, merchandise sales is slowly starting to go up. They got a lot of contracts now, Jeff. So we don't know how much they're making like every every month every quarter wwe has announced what their profits were so we don't know if AEW is doing really well financially we assume it because we you see the buzz we see the tv deals you know all this other stuff going on so we're assuming it but we don't know for certain so i'm not surprised at the move and you're right to me it, i mean look at cody rhodes he's on the the go big show he's got his own ms and mrs type show with him and brandy you know he's setting himself up that if AEW doesn't work out or doesn't kind of go the way he wants to, he can either have a life outside of wrestling or, you know, that forbidden door to WWE is probably going to be open if Cody, you know, if Cody and Triple H ever had a conversation and Cody wanted to come back because Cody's at a different level now than he was when he left. He is more marketable in the eyes of the fans. He is a guy that could come into WWE at some point in a couple of years and be a main event player in WWE because he's built himself up that way and it's seen throughout the world. So um, it wouldn't shock me if he ever went back. Um, but this move overall is not surprising considering that, you know, all these financial records are kind of private and we don't really don't know. Uh, I mean, once again, it's Tony Khan's money, but in reality, it's Shad Khan's money. So that's, that's yeah. another thing that people haven't thought about. Tony's, Tony's a rich kid daddy still controls the money at the end of the day now if you went back two years ago and they were like hey this guy that's never he's just a wrestling fan right and he's pushing the buttons filling the money blah 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 um was going to be running the company running aw without any input from these guys we would think it was crazy right i mean we would immediately trash this show but he's done a really good job tony khan as a booker we cannot take that away from him uh it just surprises me still because I feel like AEW's gotten better, and obviously this report, like, this wasn't, like, immediate, and the show has still been good. I just wonder if this is the right move for AEW in the long haul, because, I mean, it could backfire, right? I mean, this could, there could be, obviously they're all saying professional about this, but this could have a ripple effect for the success of AEW for for years to come, in my opinion, as well. Yeah, it could, and it, it really comes down to, to me, who Tony surrounds himself with. Once again... You remember when AEW launched, they first signed Chris Jericho. Jericho had nothing but nice things to say about Vince and WWE. Now, two years later, Chris pops off a little bit more because he doesn't have to worry about that bridge getting burnt because he's in a good spot. Um, you know, and some, of the, and some of the other guys the same way. Like, you know, once again, like you look at Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan has, has had nothing but nice things to say about WWE. You know, because once again, don't want to totally burn that bridge because although AEW is doing good now, WCW did good for 83 weeks and then they went out of business a couple years later. So you do kind of got to watch where, who's, who's saying what and how they're saying it, because that's when you can see who's buying into Tony Khan and AEW and who's kind of like, Hey, it's good now, but still going to be nice in case something bad happens. Because, you know, like I said, 
83 weeks, WCW is on top of the wrestling world, and then they were out of business three years later. Yeah, the Beatles uh, were the greatest band of all time, right? And they mm-hmm. all ended up hating each other. And according to reports, they may not hate each other, but what we thought was from the outside looking in of everybody getting along just clearly is not not the case, unfortunately. So, big report there. I was very surprised to hear that tonight, Dr. Trey, when I read that report before we going on the show. Yeah, it's, it, it is kind of one of those things, like, you're right. Like, if somebody had said, hey, this guy who's got a lot of money and he's a wrestling fan is going to be making all the creative decisions. Now, if you had said Tony Khan's going to run the business, would have bad enough. The Khan's have ran several successful businesses and they know how to do that. But if you had said Tony Khan's going to be the creative director for the show, I, I would have, you know, had some pause and some hesitation. But listen, there are a lot of wrestling fans out there um, that are very smart and understand how to put a show together, how to you know how to tell stories, things like that. I, I, I've I've been the booker for show. I, I've been the main writer for shows before, and those shows were really good. And then I've seen other people run shows that were big wrestling fans, and they were horrible. Tony Khan's done a very good job. So, um, you know, you're gonna you're gonna ride the hot hand for a while. If it starts to struggle, maybe he brings some more people in to kind of help him out. But I mean, you look on paper at how many people they sign and. and how much of a roster they have right now and how certain guys we only see on dark and elevation who probably on most shows would be, you know, mid card and up. They, they had to rein in a little bit of sign everybody, um, just to kind of control the roster because there's just, it's getting too big for only three hours of television. So it makes a lot of sense for him to take control of that as well. Yeah. I mean, you could sign a lot of big names. We've seen it with a lot of sports team, the Yankees, my Yankees, but if they don't perform well and win a championship at the end of the day, it's just like a very talented roster that didn't execute, which is a possibility with AEW. Right now they're executing, but there could be points where they don't. For something to keep an eye on there with everything going on in AEW and the creative process, if we actually see it uh, take place on television, where creatively it's not as good as it once was. Uh, speaking of Cody Rhodes, he's been getting booed a lot lately, and as you point out in the beginning of the show, Dr. Trey, Arn Anderson absolutely destroyed him with his promo during Dynamite this past Wednesday. Uh, we've been talking about this for a while. Like I always felt like Cody should be getting booed from the fans or just was not, even though he's probably like one of the most authentic people, what you'll see the character he portrays on television. Isn't the most authentic. What are your thoughts here about Cody getting booed his last two matches, both in New York and this past, uh, uh, Wednesday night, excuse me, in Queens, New York, and this past Wednesday in Rochester, New York, and then Arn Anderson just eviscerating him on the microphone. <laughs> Uh, well, him getting booed in New York City, you know, in Queens, I'm I'm not surprised. New York's one of those places where, like, you know, they they like heels, and Malachi Black is a very cool character, and he fits a New York type crowd to a T. And Cody's coming out, you know, with the bright colors and everything else. It, it's like I I swear he stole that he stole that jacket from Sting's from Sting's closet. Uh, it was very 1988 Bash at the Beach type of gear. Um, so I wasn't surprised by the New York. The Rochester thing, once again, not completely shocked because, you know, it's Brody Lee's town, and they're going to be kind of heelish as well, and that's the way it is. Uh, I'm still confused about the angle with Arn and Cody and where it goes because, you know, for one, when Cody came out with Arn, I was like, that's kind of a heel thing. You don't see a lot of baby faces with a manager. That's why they were calling him the coach and everything else. And I'm like, it just never really fit. And then you see that promo. It's like, did Arn turn heel or did, Co- did he make Cody a heel? Like, 
I don't know where it's all going, but damn, I, I love when Arn's on a microphone and he's fired up because it is so good. And that was just that little glimmer of like reminding everybody how damn good the enforcer is when he gets on a microphone because he, they basically almost made him look like a bumbling buffoon uh, in this role with Cody he's had for the last year. Like the, the match with Malachi where he's stumbling around and then he gets knocked into Cody and falls to the floor. Like, that's not the first time that's happened. They've kind of made him look like a buffoon. So I like the fire. I saw it because it was like, yeah, that's, that's Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson's tough as nails and he's not like the bumbling idiot. He was never the bumbling idiot in the horseman. So I liked that part of it, but I'm kind of confused on where the story is in this because did they break up the nightmare family? Cause Arn left and took Lee Johnson with him. Is Cody on his own? Is the Nightmare Family going to stay with Arn? Like, I don't really know where this is going. And if it's if it's the splintering of the Nightmare Family, I, I kind of don't like it because we're kind of seeing that with the Dark Order too. So, do we really need two splintering, like two factions splintering at the same time? That's just kind of repetitive in what WWE did three years ago when SmackDown would do what Raw did. Yeah, I feel like i feel like the arn stuff is to potentially wake up cody i don't i don't think the plan is for now that cody turns heel but i think that they're going to eventually embrace it i mean that the the nightmare family has basically been destroyed by malachi black i i don't i think this is to motivate cody but the reaction he's getting right now from the crowd could be messing things up this could potentially just be something that is you know, the way that the crowd's reacting right now is creatively screwing up what AEW's original plans were for, for Cody in this Arn promo. All right, at this point, we're going to jump into the uh, recording here. Dr. Trey had to unfortunately drop off uh, during the podcast just before we were going to ask him the last question. So I'll finish it up here, uh, being Sammy Guevara winning the TNT Championship. What's next for Sammy? What's next for Miro? And, of course, was this the right call? Um, let's get into it here. Sammy Guevara winning the TNT Championship. Uh, it was a bit of a surprise. I'm a big fan of Miro. Love the dominance. Was this the right call? I, I don't think this was the right call right now. It being in Rochester, in memory of uh, of Brody Lee, obviously was out per pro. But I was really digging what they were doing with Miro. I thought Miro being the TNT champion, being this dominant TNT champion, is something that AEW desperately needed. Sammy definitely could certainly climb the charts here and continue forward. But um, I, I thought. You know, let him run with the TNT Championship. Had those RVD TV title vibes that uh, wrestling fans like myself truly love. Um, and I thought maybe it leads to a Miro versus Omega match, title for title, at some point down the line. That would have been really cool and would have got some butts in the seat. Uh, putting the title on Sammy makes sense because you're trying to build him up. He's one of the pillars. They, you know, obviously mentioned that on the show. MJF did. MJF, Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, and Sam Guevara, the young pillars of AEW. Um, but I don't think this was, was this the time to do it? I would like to see Miro continue to get the run with the TNT championship and, um, get that, uh, that chance a little bit longer. Uh, and then maybe Sammy would be the perfect candidate at some point. It just felt like the mass match was rushed too, a little bit. The, the, the main event match the last couple of weeks, if there's a flaw about AEW creative is that that main event match always feels like it gets rushed for whatever reason. So Sammy Guevara, congratulations, TNT champion. Very happy for him. But, uh, of course, being a normal wrestling fan, uh, we we ne- typically don't see the, the bright side of it most of the time. So uh, with that said, obviously it's it's just me now uh, because it's uh, Dr. Trey had to leave during the recording. Um, 
Let's get a couple of plugs and spots out of the way. You can download the show every Thursday at TheBowerShow.com, Russell Chatnet on Twitter, and the Still Realtor Show iTunes feed. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to help us the charts on iTunes. You can follow us individually on Twitter for myself at SRTU Jeff, and for Dr. Trey Franklin at the Dr. Trey. And of course, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at SRTU Podcast. And I just added this today, but according to Facebook, over at Facebook.com slash Still Realtor Show, you can start downloading this podcast as well. This should be coming up on the feed. We'll see. I guess they just added this feature. It is Facebook. Hopefully, Mark Zuckerberg has figured it out. So until next week, when Dr. Trey Franklin returns and we recap the WWE draft, look at year number two now of AW Dynamite and more. I'm Jeff Pack. This is, of course, once again, the Still Realtor Show. Taking school spirit. The fun's just getting started. To the max. This is gonna be awesome. Saved by the Bell. New season streaming now. Let's do this, baby. Only on Peacock. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Saved by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started.